You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Can we just give Jesus an even bigger shout? Amen. You guys can be seated. Do you love, I, I love that I can say our church because Mercy Culture I'm a, officially an, a member of this church. My beautiful wife, Chelsea, can you just stand up and wave? She'll kill me later, that's okay. We got in about four months ago and we love this place. One of the reasons why we love it is because I feel like I'm 18 years old again. Can anybody relate? Remember when you were like 17, 18 and, and you would do the all night worship times and you would just like wear sweatbands? to worship nights, anybody out there? And, and just like Pastor Matt so beautifully lost his voice, I lost my voice every night just praying. And so coming here, it just feels fresh and vibrant and real. And that doesn't happen without our senior pastors, right, Pastor uh, Landon and, and Heather. Could we just take a moment and honor them? Because they've really, I would, I'd encourage you to stand. They're not, they're not here with us this morning, but let's honor them because we get to experience the incredible presence of God, but it comes at a cost, and we honor our leaders. Amen? I love this house. Anybody else love this house? I, I felt like it would be important, um, since it's my first time sharing here with you guys, for you guys to hear a little bit of my background. So in a moment, when I get a bit intense, you'll understand why. Fair? Okay, I just want to warn you, I'm not a professional evangelist nor a professional pastor or speaker. I'm just a kid that came from a small town and grew up on a dairy farm. Warning? Okay, you guys doing okay so far? We got some laughs over here. All right, all right. So when I was 18 years old, I grew up in a, in a church that loved God. Um, my, my family loved God. And if I could explain it to you, it was a church that believed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Now, don't, don't hear me wrong. I love the Holy Bible. It is the infallible Word of God. I, I read it every day. I, I, you're going to hear in a moment my testimony of, of how I got stuck to it, literally. Um, and so I'm not downplaying that, but when it came to the things of the Holy Spirit, I, I grew up in a church that actually said that if you play drums, you might summon demonic spirits. Which never made sense to me because then we would watch American Idol or America's Got Talent, and I'm like, the hypocrisy, like. But, but what I want you to hear from me is, is that it was a good, a good church. It taught me a lot about the Lord, but really the Holy Spirit who has a name, his name is God, Say that again. The Holy Spirit has a name. His name is God Almighty, right? He's not, he's not something that's on the side. Uh, that, that wasn't a part of my, like I grew up in, in a church that might even say that speaking in tongues is of the devil, right? The devil heals people and God makes people sick. I mean, just all of these different things that I grew up with. I'm just being honest with you for a moment. So when I was 18 years old, I was very angry uh, one night, and I was going to go hurt somebody. I'll never forget where I was. I was in my parents' driveway, still living at home at the time, and 
I was uh, pacing back and forth, and my father uh, was, was trying to calm me down, and he said, why don't you try to go inside and read the Bible? And so they had just given me a Bible. We actually moved from the church I was telling you about to another church, and uh, they, it was around the time I graduated, so they gave us this gift of a Bible, so I went and found it. Really, I had never really read the Bible uh, up to that point, um, maybe in Bible studies at times here and there, but really didn't have a relationship with the Word of God. But it thought, sounded like a good idea, so I went inside and I opened it up, sitting on my parents' couch. They still have the couch to this day. And um, if they ever get rid of it, Mom and Dad, I want it, okay? Because this couch, I was on that couch when, when my life was changed. And I got frustrated, and, and I was reading the Word, and it got blurry. I don't know why, just I was angry, and when I, when I shut it to stand up to leave to get my keys to go, my hand physically got stuck to the Bible. I couldn't, I, I was arrested by the Word of God. And it was just my mom, my, my mom was there, my dad went down the road to the dairy farm, and he was there with my grandfather, and she freaked out, called my dad, he came back home quickly, I was sitting there, my eyes had rolled back in my head, and another voice was coming out of my mouth. I had maybe heard stories about these things happening on mission fields, but this had never happened in our family. And they, they knew that they couldn't you know, necessarily call the pastor of the church that they were a part of, not because he was a bad person, just because he wasn't equipped. In the moment that you need help, you call the crazy church. Like, if we were in Fort Worth, they would have got Pastor Landon's number and they would have called him, right? I don't care what they say about my pastor right now on, on newspaper articles, but when you need a devil to come out of somebody, I'm calling Pastor Landon or Pastor Matt, right? All right, I just, so, so they didn't, they thought we're gonna call Pastor Scott at the crazy church in town called the Promise Church, so they call him. Fun fact, my, my wife, was just not even my friend at that time, she was at their house and remembers the phone call coming and remembers saying up the staircase, where are you going? We're going to cast a devil out of Chris Donald. Little did she know, she's gonna marry that guy. It's a pretty funny story, you remember it, right? You remember it. So, so they come and it wasn't super hype, it was none of that, it wasn't like any of the horror movies that I had watched or any of that stuff. He just came, put down a chair, he sat there, he said, what is it? I said, it's these things. He prayed for me, and I was set free. And, and, and I was truly born again. My eyes were opened, and then three months went by, and his son, one of my closest friends, Casey, he began to tell me, and, and Aaron and others began to say, hey, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But remember, I was discipled in another way. So my, I was kind of like, well... If it's God, it will happen. I'm not going to fake it until I make it, okay? If it's God, it will happen. So I can remember I was, a, I was pursuing a, being a fireman at that time. I had my EMT, my Firefighter One training, and so I, I would stay nights at the firehouse as, a, as like a paid intern, and Casey would come over in his Jeep, and he'd lay hands on me, he'd pray for me, and seemingly nothing would happen for three months. Then I got invited to my first ever conference. It was kind of like this. I thought you guys were all crazy. Imagine, I grew up in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, okay? In 
and, and not a church like this. And so I step into this room, but there's actually 10,000 people in the room. And we, we got there late, so we went into the overflow room where there was about 300 people. And I remember uh, the guest speaker that night in Seattle, Washington was Bishop T.D. Jakes. So I'm watching him on the screen. It, I've never experienced anything like this before. He stops and he says, the Holy Spirit is here. And when he said that, nobody touched me, nobody laid hands on me, nobody pushed me over. I'm just gonna be real with you for a moment. I'm a dairy farmer. You push me, I might push you back. Okay, your spiritual uh, levels are not determined by if somebody falls over when you pray for them. It's determined by do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life today? Can I hear an amen? And so nobody pushed me over, nobody laid their hands on me, the power of God came on me. I fell on my back, I began to scream, not yell. I'm not gonna do it right now, that might be embarrassing. I began to scream in tongues. While I was on the ground, I heard the voice of God, not audibly, but in my spirit. Really the first time I heard his voice, he said, you're gonna travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Now, you gotta remember this, I never read the Bible. Like the book of Acts wasn't something that I was studying, so like the first couple months or years of being born again, I was like, oh wow, this is in here. I'll, I'll never forget when, when I went to Bible college, because I went back home, they didn't know what to do with me, they said, we need to send you to Bible college. So I went to Bible college, I'll never forget, I'm there and, uh, and, and I'm sitting in the office with, with one of the staff people and they say, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the liver. All I did was repeat what God said. And I remember the guy's eyes were like, okay, well let's slow down a little bit. And I was young and pretty immature, imagine me 16 years ago, you can only imagine. So I was like, hey, this wasn't my idea. I don't want to do this. I want to be a fireman. But God, come on now. I'm getting excited. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we talk about evangelism today, Lord, you will ignite fires all over this room. Father, I pray, and I hear this specifically in my spirit, there are people here that are mighty in the Lord and have, see, and have had seasons of evangelism and that fire has, has gone down a little bit and God is gonna breathe fresh wind and fire on you and you're gonna be reignited into the harvest fields. Father, I pray that you anoint my words and you come with fire today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the message this morning is Evangelism is Easy. Come on, somebody say easy. easy. I have a great story that will illustrate this. I heard this about a week ago. I have a friend named Pastor Greg. He's a worship pastor in uh, Largo, Florida at a church called Generation Church. And he was in Atlanta, Georgia, getting ready to fly back home to Tampa. Any of you guys ever been really tired and you're like, you just wish that you were invisible, walking through an airport? Okay, only me, all right. So, so he was tired and he's about ready to get into his Uber and he, he had this thought, I just am tired, I just wanna make it home. I hope this guy isn't too chatty. So he has his, he has his guitar case and he puts it down, the guy turns around, 
you play music? So do I. He holds up a drumstick. And they begin a discussion. And, and, and Greg finds out that he's a Muslim man. And, uh, and the guy says, hey, do you have any music that you can show me? And Greg says, yeah, um, go on Spotify. So he goes on Spotify and he begins to listen to a worship song. As the worship song is playing, Greg begins to realize that this man is encountering the presence of God. And, and Greg begins to go, oh no. I've got about three minutes, four minutes max to lead this guy to the Lord and I don't know where to start. But he remembers that when I was there serving uh, Pastor Stephen, who's here from Generation Church, one of my good friends, we did a staff outreach day where we took everybody out and we have this thing called the Gospel Guide that helps you get started in sharing your faith. It's just a couple simple questions. So he's like, I'm gonna look it up. So he looks it up, the guy's tearing up in the front seat. He's like, well, the guy can't see me, so I'm just gonna read it. So he says, hey, um, do you believe that God created you to be in relationship with you? And the man goes, yeah, I do. He says, well, do you believe that sin messed up that relationship between you and God? Yeah, I do. Well, Jesus is the answer to the sin problem. He came from heaven, he is God to earth, lived a perfect life, became sin, the very thing that was separating us from God, he became, so you could be given a gift called right relationship with God. Would you like that? I said it with a little bit more flair probably than Greg did. But he reads it to him. Sure enough, the guy's born again. What I love is, is I was preparing this message that evangelism is easy in the presence of God. What happened in that story? The presence of God came. And nobody comes to the Lord unless the Lord draws. He was drawing that man. Then Greg goes right into discipleship and says, you need to share with your family and begins to disciple the guy. Evangelism is easy in the presence of God. I, I wanna say to you guys this morning that the original call has never changed. Uh, I'm gonna say this a few times, I just wanted to sink in. The original call has never changed. We have just simply changed it. The original call has never changed. We're gonna talk about it here in a moment. We're gonna read some scripture. The original call has never changed. We have simply shifted it or changed it. Meaning all of a sudden the call is, well, I'm called to be a door greeter in the house of God. No, 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 that's not your call. That's what you do on Sunday morning. What you do on Sunday is not your identity. You're a son or a daughter of most high God. You're a full-time witness believer. You're gonna hear me say this a few times over the course of this message. We don't do witnessing. We are a witness. <laughs> right? It's not, well, I'm gonna go out and do some witnessing today. No, 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 actually, you're witnessing no matter where you go, no matter what you do. Like, I, I, I wanna, I, I, as I was praying, even in this service, I heard the Lord say, just medium today. I'm just gonna hold it right here. I can't, like, there's so much fire in here. Oh, this, this is what I mean. If evangelism were a person, I'd feel bad for him. Uh, evangelism has become like a four-letter word in the church. 
I do not want you to hear me today say, you have to do this, you need to do this, or feel any guilt, shame, or condemnation. I want you to see how fun and how easy it is to represent Jesus. I want you to literally, listen mamas that have four kids that are listening to me, listen to me. Just be a mom, love those kids, and that's a witness. Like, I, I don't want you to feel condemned or weighed down with this word. I want this word to bring you life, and I want you to be excited, amen? Okay, so, here we go. The call is, Matthew 4, verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me. Uh, just a point here for all the millennial Gen Zers out there. God called people that were working. Come on. Just go with me for a minute. He doesn't call you off your couch. Why? Because the work of, it's work. It's labor. The reason why I'm a good evangelist is because I was a good dairy farmer. And when my dad says it's time to bring in the harvest, I understand, hey, Stephen, hey, Aaron, I may not see you. I got to work in my father's fields. Follow me? He calls people that are at work. So business owners, people in here that are busy, hear me, he's calling you. Because you steward well, he needs you to steward his kingdom well. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, listen, in Luke 19, verse 10, it says, he came to seek and to save the, you know it, right? Are we still following Jesus today? Are you his disciple? Yes, you are. So if you're actively following Jesus, there will be some aspect of your life that is reaching out to others. You can't have one without the other. And, and, and what's so hard is, is that we have a discipleship camp and then we have this outreach camp and then we have a prayer camp and we have all these different camps. But really it's a make disciples camp and you need prayer and you need outreach and you need discipleship, you need all of it. And all of us are called to do all of it in our own capacity and in our own way. Number two then is the commission. So we have the call, then we have the commission in Matthew 28 verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, this is like my line. Let me just have a moment. If you knew the number of times I preached this, it just makes me smile. This is what gets me up in the morning. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission, not the great suggestion. Come on, just for a moment, go with me. This is the great commission. This is what he's called all of us to do as believers, is to make disciples. And oftentimes we get so busy trying to build the church, he didn't tell us to build the church. 
He said, you make disciples and I'll build my church. And so sometimes we get so busy trying to build the church and do this that we're like, okay, four months, then comes the harvest. Okay, Easter's coming. So we get all busy. We got we to plan for Easter. Everything's got to be perfect. And meanwhile, we're going to stores and party city and doing all this stuff. And we're walking by a harvest that is ripe and ready. It's not four months and then comes the harvest. It's lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. It's not Christmas is coming. It's what is God going to do with your life when you walk out of this church? How's he going to use you? Because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of unsaved people in Fort Worth. And I say we expand territory and get every single one of them. But we have to be... We, we have to be engaged in this process. So you have this great commission. Then you have the cost, right? There's a cost. So there's a call, there's a commission, and, there, and, and there's a cost. Now, I, I do not want to minimize the cost that you face, right? It's real. And, and I'm not trying to be funny with this, but there's moments where you feel awkward. Like if I stepped out and said something, I might feel awkward. That's real. I felt that way. Okay? You may think, well, that person may reject me or my reputation's on the line. Okay, that's all real. I'm not saying that's not real, but when you put that into context with Leo in Iraq, you, you, you begin to realize, oh, wow, we don't have it that bad. So I, I was in Iraq with my friend Aaron who's here, and we were equipping, would you say about 40 40 um, Muslim background believers to take them out to do street evangelism, to go out and to share the gospel. And uh, Aaron thought it would be great to partner Leo with Chris. Now, you need to understand Leo's testimony. His wife had a vision where Jesus appeared to her at night and said, I am the son of God. Obey me and tell others about me. It's interesting what's on the Lord's mind. So she begins to tell her husband, who begins to get hungry for the things of God, he finds himself at church on his knees, our friend David's praying for him, and he hears the audible voice of God say three things. I am the son of God, obey me and tell others about me. Two years go by and he hadn't told anybody. But Aaron knew exactly what he was doing. He come pair him up with me and something was gonna go down. So we get out there, and, and he's beside me, and he's translating for me, and, and we're at, at our first encounter with these two men, and, I'm, and I just have this thought. Well, I mean, I can share, but you've literally heard the audible voice of God, and you were a Muslim, and now you're a born-again Christian. So, I mean, I could share, but it'd be way better if you did. So we're, I said, and now my friend is going to share his testimony with you, and the translation stopped. <laughs> and he, he looked at me. I wish I had a, a picture of it. He goes, man, are you trying to get me killed? And I said, no, I'm trying to get you to obey the voice of God. Did God tell you to do it? Yes. Will God protect you? Yes. Turns around and he shares. From that moment moving forward through the, the rest of that outreach, I could not make him be quiet. He even had somebody that he worked with walk by him on the street 
and texted him and said, what are you doing? Like, he was experiencing persecution as we were there, but he kept going. Come on. Guys, listen, if you go out and share your faith in Fort Worth, you're not gonna die. Well, there's maybe one or two places we could go, we could come close to it. But just Walmart in general after about 12 o'clock. It's like a third world, that's where we do missions training. Some of y'all, we'll, we'll set up an outreach, you guys can go with me, I'll show you. But, but, but you're not facing that kind of persecution, it's your reputation. It's what might they think, it's what will my boss think, will I mess this up, can I say, listen, you need to obey God. But you say, well Chris, I've not heard the audible voice of God. Let me just read the Bible to you audibly. <laughs> like, what more do you need? Do we need to read Matthew 28 again and we'll just read it over and over and over again until you get it? Like, you have the Word of God. Just read it audibly and it will encourage you. You guys doing all right? So Matthew um, 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Have you ever thought about that? Ouch. Have you ever really thought about that? It wasn't like... Just sacrifice once for all, a living, ongoing sacrifice. Denying yourself daily, okay? Just building the case here for a moment. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So when you aren't here in this incredible worship environment that I moved my family here for, love it. And you're out there, you're worshiping God by your obedience. When you choose to deny yourself and step towards that person and begin to share, you're worshiping the Lord. Th think about this. We come in here and we worship and we sing songs of truth about God, right? What happens? The presence of God comes. Worship, right? We come in. We sing the words, we're singing the truth about God, and whew, I felt the presence of God. Evangelism is the same thing. You're going out there and you're speaking the truth about God. And when you speak the truth about who God is, that's why one time I was in Brazil and I was sharing with these two guys in a shop, we were doing an outreach, and, and, and they said to me, man, your words are powerful. I said, you wanna know why? He said, yeah, tell us. Because they aren't my words, they're God's. Right, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in those words. So you go out and speak the truth in love, the presence of God comes and it's powerful. Buckle your seatbelts, here we go. I didn't see anybody buckle their seatbelts, but we're just gonna go for it. Six lies that we believe about evangelism. 
Okay, we're just going to go at these things. Number one, evangelism is not for me. You're right, it's not. That's why you don't like doing it. Just think about this for a moment. Evangelism is for the thousands of people in our city that are desperate and calling out for God. Evangelism isn't for you, it's for others. But the moment that you begin to step out and God begins to use you, just this Friday we were at a place called Saltgrass. Should we just have a praise break for a moment? They have a steak there, Whew, almost spoken tongues, all right. So we were there and server walked over to the table and uh, walked away, I was there with my friend Stephen. I said, he's gonna be born again. He came back over. I said, hey, have you ever been born again? Have you heard the gospel before? No, I have not. Well, if you have a moment, I'd like to share six verses with you. Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. Read John 3, one through six. And then I said this, why don't you just keep working and when you come back, you tell me if you wanna be born again. So he comes back to the table, right? He looks me right in the eyes and he goes, yeah, I'm ready. I wanna be born again. We pray and he's born again, why? Because evangelism is easy in the presence of God. It really helped that his name was Christian. <laughs> oh, you're gonna see him at Mercy Culture, he's coming because we don't just do evangelism, we do discipleship. Because Jesus said, make disciples, not make people make a decision. Come on, it's, there's a much bigger picture, we can talk about that later. So the, the scripture for that one is Romans 14 verse seven, it says, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Come on, I, I wanna do what makes you happy. I wanna make my father happy. Number two lie that we believe is I don't evangelize because it's not my personality. It's amazing, I took a personality test, not really, um, and it came back in Christ Jesus. It's, it's fascinating, right? I, I don't know all that fancy stuff people do with those grams and things and whatnot. It's amazing, I read the word of God and it came back that my identity is in Christ. So really your personality, sorry, love you, but I love the Christ in you more. But I was out with this, uh, with an SLS student and we're walking, I get to go on outreach weekly at SLS and we're just out going door to door, which is really fun, by the way. Some of you are terrified at the thought, but you love it. We gotta get there before the Mormons do. Okay? Saying, the Lord spoke to me and said, go to every door in Fort Worth and I'm going to, and we're gonna win a lot of people to the Lord at their door. And so we're, we're out and, and the, the, this student saying, well, I'm kind of timid. This really isn't my personality. 30 minutes later, we're walking, and she yells across the street, hey, you! She runs over, and she begins to share with the lady, and I'm like, what is happening? You just told me. Her yell startled me. Why? Because when you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. And he emboldens you, he's the great evangelist. You're not, I'm not, he is. 
And so he will embolden you as you go, you're gonna grow. So Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, some people could preach a whole beautiful message on that. I'll tell you if they know it, just go to Walmart with me. You could preach a five-part series on denying self. I'll know in two minutes if you know that in really reality when we begin to share our faith in Target. There's a lot of things that we know in concept, but until we go with God, all we have is a theory. We don't have a reality of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is meant to be seen and heard. That's why when I begin to get pushed in a corner, I don't cower, I rise up in Christ because I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen mute people speak. So when somebody comes and says, you can't worship, you can't this, you can't that, no, 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 no. Because of what I have seen and because of what I have heard, I'm, I'm not gonna be quiet. Because as you go in God, you will grow in God, but if you just come and sit and go and don't do anything, you won't grow in that aspect of knowing God. That's why I wanna encourage you just to step out. I'm gonna give you six practical things here in a moment you can do that are very easy, okay? Very easy and actually fun, at least for me. Number, the third lie here is, I'm not a street evangelist, okay? Which, by the way, would be incredibly dangerous if the only place that you shared your faith was in the middle of a street. I know that is a terrible dad joke, but I just want to drive this home. People say to me all the time, I mean, you know, there's different forms of evangelism. Great. Who have you won to the Lord in the last 20 years? Because your form isn't working. Okay? So that, that's great as long as your form is working. But, but when, when I look at this, it's like, okay, I'm not a street evangelist. Well, what am I? I don't think I've ever won somebody to the Lord in the middle of the street. I won somebody to the Lord at Saltgrass. I won somebody to the Lord yesterday at the park when we were, right, we were just on our Sabbath walk, walking out of the park, and the guy's there, and uh, loud music walked over. He rolls down the window, a bunch of smokes rolling out. This guy looked tough. I didn't feel tough. Luckily, my friend was there, had my back. He begins to sober up. He rededicates his life to the Lord and throws his meth in the trash can. That's what I'm talking about. What? It, it's, it's, it's really, really easy. I was a park evangelist. I'm an airport evangelist. I win more people to the Lord on airplanes and airports than anywhere else. I'm like, Lord, what, why? How? It just amazes me. So I, I want to break this idea that, that, that only a few are called to share and not you. No, you, you're called. It's the evangelist's job to equip you to do the work of evangelism. It's, it's my job as an evangelist to equip you to do the very work of the evangelist. There was one time that a pastor was getting a little bit frustrated at me on social media and, and wrote and said, 
you know, I'm glad that there's four other, you know, gifts in the fivefold ministry. And by the way, what does the evangelist do? This is what I wrote. The evangelist equips the body to do the work of evangelism, starting with the pastor. Radio silence. See, it's the pastor's job, this is a joke, just clarifying. It's the pastor's job to comfort the afflicted. It's the evangelist's job to afflict the comfortable. It's, it's actually my job to come in here and just rub you, just like a little bit wrong. <laughs> I'm just embracing it. Because when you look, there, there, there's a scripture, we all know it so well, where it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field, right? You guys have prayed that before, right? That word to send out is to ekbalo, right? To thrust out, to drive out, to expel, like force. There's force. It's the same word to drive out a devil from a man who is possessed. So it takes great force to drive out a devil. It takes equal force to drive out a Christian laborer to their labor. Okay, half the room clapped. I'm gonna come for this side. But it's uncomfortable because what I'm preaching means that you have to do something. It means you gotta do something, and I just wanna prophesy for a moment. We do not have a harvest problem. We have a labor shortage. Jesus said, he said it, the harvest is ripe and ready, but the laborers are few. And when you pray that prayer, Lord, send out laborers, you're actually praying for yourself first. Because we should never pray a prayer that if we ourselves can answer, Lord, I pray that you will move the mountains. God's like, I've been trying to move you for years. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would send out laborers. Walk across your cul-de-sac. Share with your neighbor. Start. You guys doing all right? Okay, I'm having too much fun. Let's get back here. It's for everybody. L listen to the scripture in Acts 8 verse 1. Acts 8, verse 1, and Saul approved of his execution, speaking of Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Say the church. Say all of them. Why? Because they were all a threat. Oh, man, if you only knew how big of a threat you were to the devil... If you only knew how much the devil feared you. <laughs> it says the church, right? Let's keep reading. In Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Remember that, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he drug off men and women. 
Because men and women were a threat. I love what Reinhard Bonnke says, right? People that come against women in ministry, which one of the values in our house is we empower women in ministry, amen? I love that. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, if you were drowning in the sea, you would not care if it was a male nor a female that was throwing you a life preserver. You're gonna grab that thing and you're gonna come. And that's what the gospel is, a life preserver to a, to a humanity that is drowning. So, so listen to this, dragging off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered, right? Remember the super apostles, the, 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 the really important ones, they weren't scattered, right? They stayed, but the ones that were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Philip is actually the only one in the New Testament called an evangelist. And he was just really a glorified servant, a deacon. That's why I love him so much. And remember this, it was as he was going, he saw the chariot. He heard the word of the Lord. He ran up beside it, got into it, and then he baptizes, right, the Ethiopian eunuch, and then he was caught up. Many in the church today are sitting in the chair waiting to be caught up. No, you need to get to work. Because then when you get to work and you begin to move in the things of God, then he will catch you up. Like, I know of young people that will sit in their room and pray to be transported. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you going to say when you get there? If you can't preach God at Chevron, if you can't be bold at Walmart, he's not going to transport you to Africa. Like, we need to live... Okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to smile. This section, calm down, down, down. I'm getting a little bit fiery. I even hear, I heard people online right there. They were like, come on, preach. I mean, my, my first 13 years of me sharing my faith was at Home Depot, construction sites, before I even knew there were churches like this. When I was on the dairy farm and, and I was working, there'd only be two or three people that would come to the farm that I didn't know. So I would wait, and when the truck would pull up, my dad's like, there he goes. <laughs> come on, God, I pray that you do a work in our hearts today. Okay, Luke 24, verse 48 says, you are witnesses. You don't do witnessing. You are witnesses of these things. Fourth lie is, I'm not gifted. No, you are. You've been gifted the greatest gift ever given to mankind, called the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this scripture in Acts 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. And everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's you and me. 
So when we say these words like, I'm not gifted, be very careful. You have been given the greatest gift of all. I'm not a great evangelist. I have a great Holy Spirit who I rely on. You do not do evangelism in your own strength. It will not work. These stories that I, I'm sharing with you, here's another one. We're at Uncle Julio's. Okay, I almost just spoke in tongues right there, and I'm not even joking. I might go there right after this. So, uh, sorry, you're just kidding me. Okay, so, so we're there, server comes up, and I said, we always ask, uh, when you bring our food, we'd like to pray for you. Be thinking about how we can pray for you. R Russell takes a step back, goes, man, that's crazy you would say that. I've been trying to get to God. I, I didn't have to work for that. I said, well, actually, I don't need to pray for you. I need to pray with you to be born again. I read him John 3, 1 through 6. Asked him if he'd like to be born again. He said yes. I explained to people, now when you pray this prayer for the first time, you're actually transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. God removes a stony heart and places a new heart, and the presence of God comes into you, and you're going to feel it. So I set it up like that. So we pray, and I said, what did you feel? He said, I felt a warm hand in my chest. He felt the presence of God on the inside of him. And then he said, but when you reach out, I, I'm, I'm fearful that maybe I won't reach back out to you. I said, well, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, self-control, or a sound mind. You choose. I was thinking about starting a conference entitled the Self-Control Conference. <laughs> Probably have five people there. But that would be more. That would actually be more than the evangelism conference where we would have four. Just joking. You, get, you, guys do, you guys are getting to know me a little bit? All right. How about we just pair self-control and evangelism and we'll get six people there and we'll change the world. Amen? Okay, so you are gifted and you've been gifted the greatest gift of all. And he's the one that does the work. You're just along for the ride. I, I do not want you... I am surprised every time God does something through me or around me or about me. I come home every day and I'm like, honey, you won't believe what happened. She's like, I probably can. It's every day. Like it's, it's wild what happens because I'm just surrendered for God to move in that way. Amen? Okay. Okay, here we go. Number five. I just don't like pushing my beliefs on people. Get ready. I'm about ready to hit a home run. Okay, I'm, I, I just don't, I don't like to be pushy. You know, there's, there's other forms of evangelism. You know, I, I actually don't know what they are, but people tell me all the time there is. Like, even if it's, well, if you just be nice and smile at a certain point, like if somebody comes to your house and they're like, Pastor, uh, Matt, uh, you're just such a nice guy. And when you smile, I just see the glory of God. Um, how must I be saved? He doesn't just go. 
and the person falls out and they're born again and raptured into heaven. At a certain point, he has to communicate the gospel. Right? Okay. I know that was, we're just having fun here for a moment. So I don't like pushing my beliefs on people. Well, your silence is pushing them to hell. And we're going to explain this, but I need you to just feel the weight of it for a moment. Because we, we begin to think that the gospel is, believe in Jesus or you're going to go to hell. That's not the gospel. It's not it. We're not preaching people into condemnation. Well, if you don't believe in Jesus and do what I do, then you're going to go to hell. That's not the gospel. That's not it. Let's look at scripture and see what it is, right? The most famous passage, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying that the last 10 people that I preached the gospel to in the last two weeks that got saved were not complaining that I was pushing something on them because I was coming to them and I was getting down low and saying, I want to preach you out of condemnation. See, because there's a way that seems right to a man, and that ends in death. But if you repent of your sins and turn to God, who is life, who is the eternal life, and step through that door, which gives you abundant life and eternal life tomorrow, that's actually good news. So we're not going out with a negative message. We're going You're going out with the best message in the world. And people want to hear it. No matter what news media says, we are not as divided as they're trying to make you think. I have led African Americans to the Lord. I've led Hispanic people to the Lord. I've led Asians to the Lord. All in the last couple weeks. Do not believe the fake news. We have a harvest that is ripe and ready. And we just need laborers, really just to have daily personal encounters with God. Because when you encounter God daily, and then you just manifest him everywhere you go. There was one time I was at a food court with four of my kids by myself, not having marriage issues. I, just, I don't know why I was alone, but I just was. And all of my kids, by the way, we were eating Chick-fil-A which just puts a whole nother level of glory on this. Don't be, don't be deceived though, it's Sunday, they're closed. So, so we're, I'm eating Chick-fil-A, I'm, I'm sitting there and a lady walks up to my table and she goes, what, this is amazing. I have not seen a father with four kids sitting without any divide, this is, what is happening here? I was able to share the gospel with her because I was just a, 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 a dad. And the fruit of the Spirit is your witness. I need you to catch that. It's not difficult. It's not hard. So in Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Your feet are beautiful. People want to hear what you have to say. Even if it doesn't seem like it. I was in that same food court when I lived there for six months doing evangelism with, with, with my friend at his church. And we walked in and walked up to these two individuals and I said, hey, uh, could we just have a moment? I was training somebody. I said, could we have a moment to share the gospel with you? They said, well, we're believers, but go ahead. So we began to share and we quickly uh, discovered that uh, one of them was not truly a, a believer. And she began to get very angry. Um, she was living in a homosexual lifestyle and she was getting angry and, and started yelling at me and I was like, ma'am, I don't want to cause any trouble. I'm just backing out. I'm looking for people that are ready. Like, I don't want to cause any trouble. I said, I just want to submit this to you in love. Um, it appears to me that you've created a God in your own image and that God can't save you. So she, she walks away mad. Like everybody heard it. Okay? About 15 minutes later, food court full of people. She comes walking back across the food court. I need to talk to you. I'm thinking, I need to run. <laughs> I'm not joking. This is a true story. She walks up and she goes, do you think I want to live this way? Do you think I want to be different? I hate my life. What if I in the name of love, right? Because love is love. No, God is love. Love is a God that came from heaven to earth to rescue us out of our sin. Love is not love. What if I would have, you know, the cross is offensive, and what if I was trying to get her around the cross? Because, you know, I'm actually ashamed of the very thing that saved me. If we're not careful, we become ashamed of the very gospel that saved us and redeemed us and set us free because actually the cross demands change. Don't be a jerk with it. Move in love and compassion, but speak the truth in love. And she is standing there. Do you think I want to be like this? I hate my life. Hugs me. Aunt comes over who is a born-again believer. She says, what, what are we supposed to do? I said, please, don't compromise the gospel. Because you saw the power of truth right there. Truth hit. Please don't leave and, and lower the, the, the standard on me. Keep the standard, but keep it in love. You do not have a negative message. You have a positive message. And you have a message that will redeem the world. Amen? Last lie. I'm just too fearful. Don't raise your hand, but many of us have said this. I've got good news for you. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So let, let me walk you through this practically. Right, we're in worship. Man, I felt the Samson anointing come on me. I felt like I could run through that brick wall. I, I truly thought I could run out, find Pastor Matt's truck, and flip it over. Like, that's how much power. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but it just came out. I, you guys know what I mean when you're in worship and you feel like, oh! Right? Anybody ever feel that? Or just me? No, you go to Mercy Culture, you feel that every time you worship here. If you're new, 
it's like that every week. I've just learned that that is true in the past four months I've been here. But what amazes me is, is you can have that experience and then you can go to Kroger. And you see a 95-year-old woman with a walker and the Holy Spirit whispers to you to go talk to her and fear goes through your body and you're frozen. What is that? See, what the enemy wants you to think is that it's in here. Mm -mm. When you look in there, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in there. God is in there. The lion of the tribe of Judah is in there. And not only is he in there, but he's on me because I'm clothed in the power of God. So see, what I've realized is, is fear is actually an invitation to crush hell. Meaning when I sense fear now, I get excited. I'm like, oh man, something's about ready to go down. The devil is getting nervous, and I'm about ready to go right through this thing. So when you begin to feel fear, even today when you go out and you're like, okay, all right, I'm going to step out, and you feel that, don't identify with it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Punch it in the face. Step through it. Be bold. Take somebody with you. There's a reason why they went two by two. Because when one's scared, the other one's just pulling them. There was a moment I was in downtown Portland with another evangelist, and the riots were happening down there. And he's like, he's like, hey, you think we should go down there in the middle of the riot and share? We're like up on the hill. Sure. We start walking. I'm like, this is a terrible idea. But it was his idea. Then we get a little bit further, and he's like, Chris, I don't know if this is a good idea. And I'm like, now I'm confident. No, it's a good idea. And we're like, sharing boldness. Got us right into the thick of it. Standing up on a fire hydrant. They were holding me up until I said, Jesus. And then my buddy got up and began to pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, that peace would come and the peace of God settled. Antifa masks, all that crazy stuff. Sometimes you just got to go with somebody. You don't have a spirit of fear. Come on, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. If you believe that, say amen. amen. No longer buy that lie of fear. If the band would please come and join me. In, in the notes that you downloaded, there's many more notes. Um, I would encourage you to read those. There was no way that I was gonna get through all of them today. I'm gonna to give you six very practical things here as the band comes. Number one thing you can do, ask somebody today, not tomorrow, today, if you can pray for them outside of the church. Fair? Okay. Number two, ask somebody if you can share your testimony with them and if you don't have a testimony of your hand getting stuck to a Bible, it's okay. What has God done in your life in this past season? What has he set you free from? What has he healed you of? Where has he brought peace? There is something that God has done that you can share. Number three is this. Ask somebody if you can simply share the gospel. How do you do that? I just say, could I read you six verses out of the Bible? And read them John 3, 1 through 6. Another one is, for some of you, I believe that you really need to do this, have a take your Bible to work day. 
and read it at lunch in the break room or on your job site. Listen, men, I've been on those job sites. It is everything but kingdom. What happens if you take that Bible and you be a witness by not laughing at the joke that you didn't even think was funny anyway? Right? Just by you, when they tell the joke and you just be silent, that alone is a witness. And you just look at them and there's kind of this awkwardness. And then you just pull your Bible out and say, hey, let me read you a verse every time you tell me a terrible joke. I mean, why not? We're going to have take Chris to work day. I'll go with you and I'll help. It'll be great. Number five, invite your friends and coworkers to church. My, my, my barber came last service just because I invited him. So I would encourage you guys to invite people to come to church. And last one, number six, one evening in between now and Christmas, just go out to five houses in your neighborhood, knock on the door, and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. I want you to know that I'm here for you. If there's ever crisis or you need help, here's my number, here's my information. Can I pray for you in any way? And can I tell you what Jesus has done in my life? What would it look like if every family in this church right now said, yeah, I'll do that, five houses. We could change the world. Because how do we change the world? We simply change the world around us. And if all of us, right, oftentimes I think we get so overwhelmed that we don't ever get started. I just wanna help you get started. Just start by doing something. A man came to me after first service and said, I actually have a, a stuttering disability and he's sharing with me and I said, listen, that's okay. Write down your testimony and hand it to five people tomorrow. Like you can do something to get the message of Jesus out there and there's no easier time than right now. Would you guys stand with me all over the room? God promises us that he'll be with us. In Luke 24, verse 49, he says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You see, when you're born again, it's Christ in you, for you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, it's Christ on you for others. If you can hear anything that I say today, evangelism is not done in your strength or in your might, in your intellect, in your personality. It's done by the Spirit of God. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 